the hardest part about, I think, our generation now and what's coming into this industry is that we are all so impatient. We want everything immediately because we can get anything and everything immediately. I can have a full meal delivered to me in five minutes, right? everybody out to the ddd podcast we got a golden door deep dive segment and guys we finally got a solar guy believe it or not <laughs> with us in our presence we are absolutely blessed um there's been a little bit of confusion as far as the solar golden door goes so remember guys it's 100 points so it's half a point per install and then half a point for every set that gets installed and so this is also including anything that gets installed this year. So if you signed a deal last year and it's getting installed this year, that will count towards your golden door. So any glass that's getting on the roof this year, it'll count towards your golden door. Count up your deals. I know it's a little bit of a hassle, a little bit of a headache, but guys, it's totally worth it to get the golden door. Um, it means so much to us that you guys are counting up these deals and that you guys are applying for the golden door. So um, do all that you can to get there. So Without further ado, I would like to welcome our guest, Mr. Chase. Uh, how do you say your last name? Hermit Hermanson? Hermanson, you got it. <clears throat> Mr. Chase Hermanson, um, brought to us by way of Vivint. And um, just first shout out, uh, probably the most glorious mustache in all of door-to-door <laughs> sales. Uh and this is a pure off-season special, according to Chase. So, <laughs> Chase, what is what? What's up, my man? How are you doing? I'm fantastic, man. I'm I'm honored to be on here. It's it's been a fun ride. How are you, dude? So good, so good. So glad to have you. Glad we could uh, uh, you know set this time where we could talk about solar. We could talk about Golden Door. Talk about how other people could hit it. So, um. I think everyone wants to know, you know, how did you get in the industry? What's your story? Yeah. Um, well, once again, thank you for having me, man. I'm once again humbled and honored. Um, how did I get in the industry? So I just hit my decade mark. So <clears throat> that was a pretty big, and I didn't even realize it till the end of the season that I'm like, holy crap, I'm about to finish 10 years doing door to door. Um, so how I got into the industry, I was 19 years old. Um, I had just finished my freshman year of college and I was working at a movie theater at the time, managing there, slinging popcorn, throwing double butter, double layers all day long. Um, and after my freshman year, I'm like, dude, what am I doing? Like, I'm not going to get anywhere with this. I don't know if I really want to do my degree. Like if I want to actually follow the path that I was on. And I just heard about people doing sales door to door and at the time i thought it was only people in texas because the people i heard was they were all in texas when they do it in the summertime and so i wasn't that i wasn't the guy that got recruited like nobody came up and talked to me anything like that i had just heard through grapevine and so i started making um phone calls 
to a few people and asking about how it is, like, do you like it? Like, what are you making? Blah, blah, blah. And um, one of my buddies is like, oh, my brother-in-law is going out to Louisiana this year. You should hit him up. So I called him. It's like, yeah, let's go up to Louisiana. Never met a single soul in my office. Never met my managers, nothing, just phone calls. I don't even think we even did any FaceTime. Um, after my semester was up, jumped on a plane, flew to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, got in a car and drove to Lafayette. And that's where it all began, man. I went out and trucked the good old swamps and humidity of Louisiana. I was there for four years. Went to Alaska for a summer, then went back to Baton Rouge for another summer. Then I went to Oklahoma. Then we went to Florida. And then we've been in Cali for the last the last few years. So that's kind of the base 10,000 foot view of it. <clears throat> nice. Uh, dude, what was it like going from Louisiana to Alaska? Dude, it was crazy. I think all of it was culture shocks. So I remember my mom... Um, my mom's always been extremely supportive of me and doing these and doing this. Um, and a lot of my buddies' moms weren't, they thought it was a scam back in the day, like 2014, like nobody's making that type of money knocking on doors, right? Door to door is dead. Nobody does it. But my mom was super supportive and was like, you should go do it. And then when I told her I was going to Louisiana, she's like, what do you, Louisiana? Like, why would you go there? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, it's just a bunch of toothless swamp alligators like why would it doesn't make any sense why you'd go there and i'm like that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard like what do you mean it's just a bunch of swamp people like it's gonna be the same but i got out there and that was a massive culture shock when it came down to the people the bugs the weather i never lived in humidity in my life um and so that was hard for a minute but then when i went to alaska that was like you massive massive culture shock because people are a complete 180 they have no personality up there. Um, I, I don't know if I should say this, but they're probably the least un, they're the least attractive people I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I did not see any good looking human beings out there. I don't know why. Um, and the the difference of Louisiana to Alaska is Louisiana is a very relationship based, right? To get deals, you got to build rapport. You got to build that relationship with them before they're they're going to buy. Alaska complete offsets all business. Um, you don't compliment their trucks. You don't talk about anything other than what you have. They would come out and be like, what do you got? How much is it? Like, let's go. I don't have time for this type of thing. Louisiana, you would spend three hours with their whole family and meet all their grandkids. And like, it, it just was complete level shift. So I guess the big culture shock for most was that you had to learn how to be very quick with people. And it was hard for rookies. Rookies had a hard time because they would just be so blunt and brash that it came off like <clears throat> confrontational a lot of times. That's interesting. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if you know Brad Rossiter, but big shout out. But I remember he always tells the story of his rookie year in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, sitting on the curb in Galactica Drive and just, you know, hating his life at, at the beginning of his summer. Um, but that's so interesting. And it's crazy how just everyone's so different wherever you go. Um, what's been your favorite market? Yeah, to go, um, I do know Brad. Brad's an absolute stud. Um, he was, I think, on our alchemy call a little bit ago. Um, to go off before I answer that, 
the I would never suggest if anybody's listening, I would never suggest taking rookies to Alaska. Um, just because people there are very rough, um, to, to, to bring a, a newborn baby into that industry is, was pretty tough, but it is no competitors and the crime is super bad. So if you're going in for alarms, Vivid is incredible. That was my best year at the time was in Alaska. Um, my favorite market, I would probably say Louisiana just because that's where I started and I spent five summers there. So I created pretty big roots. Um, but I also loved Oklahoma. Louisiana had extremely nice people and extremely good food. And I thought it'd never be beat. And then what happened, I went to Oklahoma and it was like, you couldn't leave a grocery store in less than 30 minutes because they're talking to you about their, their grandkids and their milk and what they're buying. And it's like, Holy crap, dude, I gotta go. Um, and so Oklahoma yeah. was actually incredible. It was an incredible market and people there were so cool. <clears throat> yeah. I've heard some incredible stories about, um, Oklahoma. So that's awesome. Yes. Um, so dude, diving in, let's get into the nuts and bolts. Um, so I know you sold alarms for a long time. What made you want to go sell solar? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, some of the story actually comes from roots of, of Jay Shaw, but, uh, shout out Jason Shaw. You're our boy. Jason Shaw's our boy. We love Jay Shaw. Um, this, the, when I, so yeah, I was in the, the alarms for seven years. Um, my last five, I sold over 200 plus alarms. So doing well, making good money. Um, and so, well, to give you kind of a background, I guess my story, and I think this is like, really, really big for newcomers coming into this industry. And that I was doing a call last night with one of our reps. Um, the hardest part about, I think our generation now and what's coming into this industry is that we are all so impatient. We want everything immediately because we can get anything and everything immediately. I can have a full meal delivered to me in five minutes, right? I could pull up any TV show I want and watch it right now. Um, when I was little, if I wanted to watch it, I had to be on the couch at seven o'clock. Can't be later. I'm going to miss it. So there's no recording it. There's no, like, I can't stream it or anything. Um, and so we don't really have patience. I feel like that's what we've lost in our generations. When I started in the industry, I was the worst rep in my office. Um, I was literally one day from calling it quits. So I, was, I called my mom and I was like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I, I don't. I, I can't figure it out. I'm not selling, right? And I heard through the grapevine, people were betting that I would be the next rep to go home. And when I heard that, I don't know if that was the level shift or that was like God or whatever you want to say coming in and saying, hey, no, we're going to figure this out. That day as I'm knocking, my last day that I was like, if I don't get when I'm out of here, I got a phone call from a customer that I had talked to before, like days before. Stopbacks never work. You never sell them, right? They're always disappointments. The Brasso family, that was my first sell ever. They called me and they're like, hey, is this Chase? I'm like, yeah, that's me. We're going to do it. And I'm like, what? They're Do what? And they're like, oh, we're going to buy the alarm system from you. You're the alarm guy, right? And I was like confused. I'm like, yeah, oh, it, yeah, that is me. That I'm, I'm that guy. Um, remind me where you live again. And I literally remember skipping to their house, like literally skipping to their door. So happy. Um, and... All I have to say is that I ended that summer also the lowest earner, but I became the most consistent from 
where I started to where I ended at, to where every day I was on the board for something. Um, but then as I've gone on, I have now become almost every year the top guy in the office um, because I realized that I needed to be the tortoise and the hare, right? I had to decide what did I want to be? Do I want to be fast and go find another route, figure out fast money, or do I need to figure out and not quit? And so long story short, I uh, that's just kind of where I started. I did alarms for a long time. How Jay Shaw comes into this is that he hit me up. He was doing active for a long time, running huge, huge industry or a lot of bodies. Um, he's an absolute unit when it comes to recruiting and building organizations. And, and uh, our culture is insane because of that guy. He hits me up. He's like, hey, man, I want to talk to the higher ups at Vivint. I'm like, holy crap. Like, are you serious? You joking me? What's going on? He's like, I want to talk to them. So I'm like, okay, let me get in front of TP and Santiago. So we get him on a private jet. I'm pissed off because I go on a blitz and they plan the private jet. So I didn't get to go on it. I've never been on the PJ, um, but he flies up. Meets with. Yeah, I was pretty sad. Sucks. But he goes up, meets with them. He ends up not coming over that year because it was late in the season. He's like, I just can't make this big of a transition this late. We're going to run it we'll back one more time. Hopefully it changes and Aptiv will start paying us what we're owed. The next year he hits me up again. He's like, hey, I want to get serious about coming over to Vivint. We get him in front of Santiago again and he's talking to him. And I was in under the Bells region. Then Santiago and then they kind of recruited him under Pucks region, which uh, looking back at it was a complete blessing, complete blessing. If he went with me into the bells, we wouldn't be where we're at right now. I would have never gone to solar. I would have never, I would have never made that transition. So Jay Shaw, actually, we kind of had a little bit of a fallout, right? Not me and him personally, like there was a little bit of frustration, but more of Vivint and our region. So the bells were really upset about it, that we can't trust our executives because they're recruiting guys that we brought into the building away from our partnership. Um, at the time, Scott was in, Scott Bell was in some waters with Vivint and he had already been gone and things. So they recruit Jay Shaw to the puck to, to pucks region. And Justin and I said, screw this, we're out. And so that's when Scott started talking to us, Sundran started talking to us and we left and went to, to fusion long story, but um, it just came down to, I kind of got it just because of, what happened with Jay Shaw is where we decided let's go try another Avenue because Vivint didn't really have our back for that, that whole situation. Um, ran it up at fusion number one rep over there. And then Jason hit me up. Like I was saying, um, and Jason recruited me back to blow it up here at Vivint. <clears throat> and here we are. So um, it's interesting. Cause I remember I was at Vivint during um, cause when I first started, it was like, you had Vivint solar and it was like a sister company, but like, we didn't cross sell. Um, when you were recruited to Vivint, there was like, you know, a lot of back talk about solar, like how it wasn't a good opportunity, how you like, you know, wasn't the way to go. And then, uh, Vivint solar gets sold and then it turns into, uh, Vivint energy and then Vivint energy is born out of Vivint Smart Home, and then it just becomes Vivint. And I remember at that point, it was like, okay, we're going to cross-train you guys, like uh, collect bills, send them to closers and whatnot. So um, 
what is your advice for people that are in like that cross selling uh, where they're doing two products at once? Yeah. So I guess let me make sure I understand the question. Are you asking like if they sell alarms and they set or if they're trying to do alarms and solar with Vivint, what's what, what kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of avenues we could take this honestly, because there's, um, you know, guys that are doing alarms and solar. There's a lot of guys in the industry that are listening that are probably doing roofing and solar. Uh, but just like, what, what's your general advice for like, uh, people selling, um, two products at once? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think one of the coolest things, I don't, I don't know if this is advice towards the sell, but I think one of the coolest things that we have as an opportunity, like if you are doing, say, solar and roofing or solar and something else attached with it, um, in our case, it's solar and alarms, is that we give uh, every single sales rep uh, more arrows in their quiver. I think that's what you call it. I, I don't know. Um, but you just have way more avenues to be able to generate income. Um, and so when we're recruiting, right, and we bring guys in, there's going to be guys that are extremely good at alarms and make 90% of their income at alarms. There's going to be guys that are extremely good at solar and make 90% of their income at solar, right? And then there's going to be guys that are a 40, 60, 50, 50, right? And so what I love about having those multiple avenues is that it, it doesn't, I guess, funnel a rep into one thing, right? And if they're not good at that thing, they're going to fail and there's no other option. Like you got to go find a completely different company. And so the competition, I don't have to compete as much against a solar company, against an alarm company, against even pests, because at Vivint, we can do an upgrade, right? Existing customers, quick money, it's super simple sale. Um, it's not high, high commissions, but it's it's a five minute, 10 minute sale that a, a, a rep that just got in the industry that can go get four to six of them a week and make really good money. Right. And so, I don't know, I guess my uh, thing behind it is that if you can give people an opportunity to make as much money as possible with multiple avenues, not just one, you'll be able to build a culture and build revenue in so many different ways. Cause we have six streams that we can make revenue here at Vivint. Um, and so if you can get reps to be bought into that, then you can get them to sell high amounts of whatever it is, whether it's just an alarm or whether it's just solar, it's a combination of both. Yeah. And I think that is a, a big opportunity, uh, not just where you're at, but for anyone in the industry, um, like if you're selling guys, yeah, if you're selling roofing, uh, why not sell solar on top of that? It yeah. only makes sense. People that buy roofs are asking for solar all the time. And if you're selling alarms, why aren't you selling solar with it? I feel like solar is probably one of the best add-on uh, products you could ever have because oh, yeah. it saves people money. It's like, hey, you just bought this thing. Uh, now let's save you a little bit of money. Yeah. And just I hear me out on this. It might not be for you, but it, it's awesome that way. Yeah. I think as like humans uh, in a general we love bundle deals right the amount of times our parents have bundled their cable with their internet and home phone right we all love to not have to send our money to different avenues so when people hear a bundle deal for whatever reason that gets us excited that it's very simple and it's in my best interest because it's going to save me money on all avenues 
instead of outsourcing separately. Right. Um, and so I think that's a huge thing that if you can attach a bundle of some sort, it is enticing to the masses. Absolutely. Um, so now kind of getting into like the logistical aspect of, of, um, you know, selling solar. Uh, Cause I know it, it probably came with a handful of challenges. Uh, this year I've heard a lot about uh, struggles with installers and EPCs and just things falling through the cracks. Uh, what were some of the, the hurdles that you had to overcome this year? Yeah, this year was actually scary. Like it was actually pretty terrifying. Um, all last summer, all we talked about, cause we're in California and so it was probably at least three to four times a week, I would get a text message about NIM 3.0, right? Then changing their net metering laws in California, and it's going to crush solar, and it's going to absolutely, it's, the market's going to be horrible, right? Everyone's going to leave it. And so all last year, it was a very unknown thing of when is this going to get put into place? It wasn't a matter of if it's going to happen, it was when. And so we were all just kind of on the edge of our seat, like, is this our last ride? Are we going to have to find a new market? Um, or is there going to be an option to, to, I guess, uh, go back to California and rectify the area. Right. And so that was, I would say the first hurdle that I was pretty scared of, cause I would hear about it so much. Um, but then after that, like we find solutions for NIM 3.0, we're attaching batteries, things like that to solve the net metering laws and the, the credits that you get with solar. Um, and then all of a sudden, all the feds, the feds come in and change all of the bank fees and interest goes out the roof. And now to sell the same system at the same price, I'm going to be making 40% less. So my options are I make 40% less or I now have to price a system almost a good 50% more than what I would have three months ago, right? At that time. And so that was a big thing for me. I was like, holy crap, am I, do I feel comfortable with someone might've had a $40,000 loan before, and now it's going to be close to $80,000 for the same product. Do I feel good about selling that? Right. Um, the year before I sold about 90% loans. Um, and so I was like, dude, that's going to suck. Now I got to make a shift. And so then this year I sold probably 95% PPAs to offset a lot of those fees. So that was, that was a really big hurdle. And then the last hurdle that sucked was that they got rid of what you call a true up. So a customer already has solar panels on their roof, but they're still getting a bill from their utility company. Well, when NIM 3.0 came out, Sunrun shut down all true ups. Almost every company's like, we're not going to do true ups anymore. And that was probably a good 40% of our production the year before. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't know if we're going to survive this. Um, and so we worked with a couple partners, found solutions to be able to do true ups still. Um, it was just a lot more business leg work rather than in the trenches in the grind that we had to navigate. I think were the biggest ones. <clears throat> yeah, uh, dude, that's a wild, that's absolutely wild because I remember seeing all the NEM three stuff coming out and there were two there were two classes of people I think in solar at the time. There was the one that was like super like nervous and afraid and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is going to be the worst. Like we're going to have to go to Texas, like we don't know what to do." And then there was the group that was like 
where's the opportunity? There's an opportunity here. We can hack this. We can learn it. So um, what, what, uh, and I know you said you, you know, you started doing PPAs, you started doing all these other things. Uh, What would you say was like the secret to uh, creating that mindset of like, this, this can be a good thing. Yeah. I think just in general living life, um, the, the one thing that I've, always been extremely extremely grateful for that i have learned over time is that right there being extremely grateful and having an abundance mindset no matter what situation i get put in whether it's really crappy really great whatever is that i think very abundantly because at the end of the day it just comes down to you as an individual right um talking to jay shaw a little bit ago the the crazy thing about our mind is it knows no difference from reality or what you tell it, right? Um, it's like having a nightmare. Um, when you wake up that morning, you truly believe in your head that that had happened. Um, and you're all your emotions are all wound up. So if you can uh, train your brain to have that abundance mindset and look at the, I guess, the positive, like it's very tacky to say, but for me, I saw it as a, a really big opportunity because I knew what it would do is it was going to drive out all of those people, right? All of the competitors, all the other companies that didn't want to figure it out, stick it out, go through the mud, possibly take big pay cuts. Whereas like now I can utilize this that I don't have to worry about people poaching my deals, right? If we're the only people out there doing it, right? They tell me like, oh, well, I'm going to call around. I'm like, perfect. Do your due diligence. I promise you, you're not going to find anybody. We're going to be the only ones able to help you. And that got me a ton of deals because nobody else was doing true ups and couldn't solve their big bills from their utility companies at the end of the year. And so for me, I just looked at it as an opportunity that I can be the guy that goes and figures it out. And then I have the whole world is now my oyster because everyone else is either scared or left. I love that. It's literally taking the trial of the situation and turning it into a triumph, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is huge. Everything, if, if there's anything I've learned from the podcast, it's that everything's an opportunity. Every yeah. door is an opportunity. Every customer interaction, um, whether it's even just to make a friend or to make a sale or to or to help you out in some way, everything's an opportunity. So I love that mindset. Um, let me ask you then. So, uh. Remind me how many, you had quite a few installs this year. How many installs did you have? Yeah, so we are currently at 194. We will break over 200 by December 31st. Um, we're on track, hopefully, to have close to, to 215 to 220 by the end of the year. That's absolutely incredible. So there, there are two, two questions I, I have from that. So one is around installers. So, um, how do you manage, uh, expectations with installers? How do you get them to, uh, get the glass on the roof and how do you deal with like setbacks from that? Yeah, I think so. Big shout out to, um, so Leif Franson and I run the whole partnership with triumph, which is prodigy. We're obviously in a, office within triumph right and so him and i spent a lot of leg work in the off season preparing for this nim 3.0 and have generated really really good relationships with some of the partners we brought on and then it was kind of 
our biggest thing is just having a good two-way street of one communication and two expectations, right? I, there is nothing more important in anything in life, whether it's your relationship, your sales, right? Friendships, your office, then setting really good expectations and communication. And so <clears throat> understanding what they wanted from us, understanding how we needed to sell business, understanding how to take care of the customers, before we got into the trenches was one of our biggest goals. And so we did, we spent a lot of time building those relationships with our install partners so that we could navigate those waters. Once it, the, it got, it got hot. Like we were on, it was once we started cooking, if we hadn't done that pre leg work, we would have been in pretty deep water because we would have all been lost. Um, and the unfortunate part, one of our installers at the end of the year told us, hey, we're going to do true ups now. So we started putting some through them because the, the pay was really good. And then now they're pushing back saying they're not going to do it. It's going to cost a lot. They haven't really dialed the system. And so that was a perfect example of like what we did before the summer was so, so crucial um, with our installers. And they they kind of proved it that they didn't know what they were doing. And it wasn't dialed. So. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm glad you got that that prep work in beforehand, because like you said, it's just uh, frustration is when our expectations are are violated. Yep. Right. So setting those clear expectations, getting everyone on the same page, especially with your installer, I think is a very overlooked thing, because I think a lot of guys in solar, they, you know, just want to point fingers at their installer. They want to point fingers at at things that are. They, they, you know, they want to claim that are outside of their control, but when in reality, they never set those clear expectations from the beginning and they didn't yeah. have those, they didn't have the foresight to, um, you know, buckle down on those things. So I, I tip my hat to you for, for that approach to it. So, uh, the next question that I have that sends from those installs is clearly you are incredible at closing sales. What are some of your tips and tricks for closing at such a high volume? Yeah, um, I appreciate that. I obviously, I, it goes back to a couple things that one, I want to be very clear on. I was not good at closing right immediately. I was not the best uh, salesman immediately. Like I'm 10 years deep. So a lot of people will ask me like, what are your tips and tricks and this and that? What do you say here and there? And, and we've all heard it. There is no magic sauce. There's no magic one-liners. There's there's no such thing. It's how much time you put into your craft and how much you dial your own systems. Um, like they all say, all championships are, are one in the dark or one when nobody's watching, right? It's what you put in off the doors and, and how much time you sharpen your saw, right? Some of the tips and tricks that I will... I guess, give uh, when it comes to closing or sales is one training your teams really well. Cause obviously I, it's like a setter closer type model. So training the reps really, really good on how to set really good leads and how to set really good expectations with the customers. Um, just dialing the system. Um, it, you don't manage people, you manage systems and then you just put them into the system and let it run. Right. And so that's one thing that I feel that I'm extremely proud of is I'm really good at dialing systems and finding ways to fine tune them and tweak them to make them 
better and better and better because it'll never be perfect. So one, training your people, setting good expectations with customers, things like that. Two, once I get into the house, that right there is I I lay a really good foundation the second I'm in the home and I set really good expectations with my customers. Like simple things of if the, if this does make sense today, we are going to sign a couple documents to start the process to see if I can even get you approved for the program, right? Little things like that where I can set that foundation right off the bat. Like if it makes sense, we're going to move forward. So then that way they don't give me, I got to think about it. Do you have a card? Things like that. And I don't brush past it. I make sure they really acknowledge that and they understand like, this is what I'm expecting. And I want you to know that so that you're not hit by a curveball when I go to try to close you. Right. Um, so laying a really good foundation, finding a dialed system that works for you that you like, um, and then having an absolutely dialed presentation. When I go into a house, it does not change, right? Just like he said, we were talking before probably we hit record, um, like with Tristan Pears. Like I could probably wake him up at three in the morning and say, pitch me right now on an alarm, and he would spit it out like immediately, Right. I'm Kristen. I do the alarms. I notice you have 82. You still pay the monthly bill on that. <laughs> Boom. See, easy, right? Dude, he um, is so sharp. Shout out, Tristan. We love you. Absolute genius dog in the industry. Number one rep in the entire world when it comes to the alarms. It's insane. Um, but the system has to be very dialed. I know exactly what slides I'm showing, right? I know exactly what I'm saying in those slides. My sentences are the same. My pauses are the same. Everything is so, so dialed. I could go listen to recordings of people that sat in on my deals. And it's like, dude, I, am I listening to the same thing? The only thing that would differentiate it is like the random sidebar, like talks, questions, building rapport. But I'd never let those things take me away from what my path is. And how you do that is you dial your system so well that you can have a little kid come screaming, crying into the room, bleeding everywhere. And obviously everything is going to take a complete halt. Once that is resolved, you can get right back to where you were because you know exactly what your next step is, right? And so dialing your system, there is no perfect pitch. There's no one-liners, anything like that. But if you get into a home and you feel lost, that tells me right there you need to go home or wherever it is back into the office and now sharpen your saw, dial your presentation down. So when you're in the home, there is no questions, um, doesn't mean you can't make tweaks as you go. You talk to people like, Hey, I would do this a little bit different, but your flow should be, should be very dialed. And then the last one, it's very simple. Once again, it's hitting them with expectations. Again, once you close them, how I get glass on the roof is I set really, really good expectations of what's coming next, how I'm going to communicate with them. And then really, really good expectations of time frame. Right. I do not over promise and under deliver. I always under promise and hopefully always over deliver. Right. I do not want that flip flopped. And so a lot of reps will go in from what I hear and they're like, yeah, we'll get this done super quick, couple weeks, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden there's kickbacks and we're six months out and the customer's like, dude, this is a joke. Right. I always tell people it's going to be no less than two to six months is the average. Best case is a month and a half. Right. And so if you set, once again, foundation and expectations on all levels and have a dialed system, you will you will close a lot and you'll install a lot. And then the last one that I forgot in the middle, if you are not pulling back, 
four, five, six, seven, ten, twenty. I don't care how many times it is. If you're not pulling back an excessive amount that it's almost uncomfortable, you will not close at a high level in any sale, whether it's alarms, solar, whatever it is. If you're not having pullbacks of like, you have to qualify. I don't even know if you can do this. We have so many things we have to look at before I even can get you into this program. It is going to take a while. Um, if you're not pulling back, you are desperate. When you are desperate, you never win, right? If you're always give, 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 never take, you will never win. You'll get the few laydowns, but if you want to go to a high level, pullbacks, I would say, is one of the most crucial things alongside expectations. I love that. What are some of your favorite pullbacks you use in the sales process? That uh, uh, if I leave the house and they're not questioning, like, holy crap, I don't even know. Like the amount of times customers tell me like, oh, now that you bring that up, they'll tell me like this light switch over here. When I turn it on, it sometimes will flicker. That has nothing to do with solar. That's not going to affect them getting solar. But when I pull back, like, hey, we got to check your electrical. We got to make sure it's going to be up to par with our solar all these things I go into depth about it. I'll have customers be like, oh crap, we might not qualify for this. And they start thinking about those things. I'm like, boom, I've won right there. Because now they're thinking like, I want to qualify. What are the reasons I wouldn't? Maybe we can find a solution to resolve it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so electrical is really big. Roofing is really big. I always say, hey, these new programs that they just released are extremely picky. We're seeing about, depending on your area, every one in four to one in five homes getting approved. I won't know. I am not the yes or the no guy. I don't tell you if you can do this. I am just the middleman, and I hope you get started and get you in line to get you to the next step to see if we can even get you a thumbs up. And so um, those are some of my favorites. But yeah, just little things of like, it, it all depends on your property. Because they'll always ask, like, what do you mean credit? Like my income? Like, no, that's the, that's the small part. I handle that aspect of it. The big part is your home. That's the things that we're going to send a bunch of crews, design teams. They're going to look at it all to make sure that, that it's ready. I love that. Yeah. And, and what's cool about solar as well. I mean, like other industries, it's, it's very similar too, but especially solar, solar really is a very, uh, you do have to qualify them. They, they cannot uh, there's not one uh, missing piece of that puzzle that um, can fall by the wayside. You know what I mean? So um, I feel like leveraging that is very, very amazing. So um, what are the, I, I know you're really setting good, clear expectations right from the get go. You know, you're, you're doing a good pre-frame uh, like, Hey, we're going to get these documents signed today. If this pro if this making sense for you, um, but are you running into or, or like what objections are, are you running into? Yeah. Um, I think some of the biggest objections that I'll get since I am going to a lot of sets is, is kind of uncontrollable. They're more like conditions. I would say um, you can close one layers in solar. Do I suggest it? No, I close a lot of one layers and alarms, right? I, it's not really a big deal. It's a 50 to a hundred dollar bill. It's not a 25 year agreement, things like that. This is a big, obviously, deal unless they can confidently tell me we've been wanting solar. My wife just wants me to handle it or my husband just wants me to handle it, whatever. Then I will move forward. But those are some of the bigger conditions just because I possibly didn't train my setter well enough to make sure both spouses were there. We didn't confirm it that they're both going to be there. 
Um, I guess in California, I would say the biggest objection is going to be, we, we know a friend that has solar. We want to talk to them, right. Or mm. we've been talked to 17 times, right. What makes you different than the other companies? Or we want to call a couple other companies because we know our friends went with these guys, um, or a guy knocked on my door last week, he's coming back and I didn't know it. Um, those are probably the most common. It's just, it's such a saturated market in California. They are very versed in solar. They've been talked to a lot and they know more than a handful of people that have it. Gotcha. What's your best, uh, way of handling that? Um, which one in particular, you want to role play one? <clears throat> yeah, let's role play. Uh, yeah, I'll be the customer. So, yeah, I, I mean, we got some friends down the street. They just got hooked up with some solar. So uh, we just want to talk to them and maybe see where they got theirs from and, and do a little bit of research. Yeah, absolutely, man. I would do the same. And we suggest it. Um, do you know who they have any idea who they got it through at all? I think it was through Sunrun. Cool. Great company, man. We actually have a partnership with them. That's one of the coolest parts is we actually have a four-company partnership, and that's what people love is we have a big backing. Uh, but have you heard them gripe about their solar at all, or are you just wondering, like, what partnership company you go with the most? What's kind of your big reason to talk to them? Uh, probably just, you know, see what they're paying, see what they like about it, maybe what they don't like about it kind of thing. Yeah, for sure, man. Once again, we we want you to do that. So the cool thing about what I do, kind of like what I said at the beginning, let me just ask you this. Numbers-wise, everything we've talked about, like the system size, it's going to cover what you guys need. Um, is there anything that isn't making sense so far? Them aside, talking to them, that completely aside, is there anything so far that hasn't made sense? Uh, no, I I, I think it all is, is coming together. I mean, we, we've had a couple proposals in the past and, and everything. So, I, I, you know, it's looking pretty good. Cool. Yeah. So kind of like what I said at the beginning, I am not the yes or the no guy. I just have to make it make sense. And if it does great, like I said, we'll see if we can even get you in the program. I, I don't even know if it doesn't make sense, dude, no worries. We'll go set up a couple of the other neighbors and then maybe down the road, we'll earn your business. Right. Um, I'm not the arm bar guy. I'm not going to come in here and tell you it's a now or never deal. If I leave your house, don't even call me because this is a one day only Memorial Day sale. Right. And so the best part about it, if it is making sense, our biggest step is we want to make sure that you can do it in the first place. Right. Um, and the biggest thing is the property itself. These new programs that have come out. I don't know how long ago your friends got it, but they are very, very different now. They are extremely picky. Um, we're seeing about one in three to one in four homes even getting approved, right? So you can go do your due diligence, talk to your friends, your family, whatever, and then call me and say, hey, I want to do this. And then I put you through the pipe and they say, hey, this electrical is not up to code. We can't do it. We got about four to five grand of upgrades that needs to be done in the first place, right? So now all of this legwork has just been done by you and now you can't even do it in the first place, right? And so it's kind of silly. Um, so the best part about what I get to do is I just get you in line and then we get we, we get to see if you can do it or not, right? And during that process, it's gonna take one to six months before I have a thumbs up. You can absolutely talk to your friends. If they have questions, I can talk to them. And if you have concerns, we can go over those things. Um, but what we'll do is we'll start the process to see if your home can do it. As long as nothing is anything not making sense. 
No, I, I think it all makes sense. Cool. So a couple of things that we're going to do, I do have to make sure that you qualify. And then I'm going to move into my close. Okay. If they try to push back again, then I got to revert back as we call it kind of the tool belt method in alarms. It's different in solar. And I got to revert back and I got to overcome the objection again. Right. And so that's kind of how I would handle it. Those ones are tough. They're going to talk to their friends anyways, probably higher chance of canceling. But if you build a big relationship with them, then you can at least get a phone call saying, Hey, this is what my friends got. This is what they're saying. Okay, cool. Let's reanalyze it. Let's see if we can find a solution that fits for you. Best part is we're partnered with the company they have. So we're going to make sure that it's just like their system. I like it. So it's also, you know, taking advantage of, of, uh, you know, whatever they are bringing to the table and, and leveraging that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think obviously I, I with Vivint, we have partnerships with Sundra and Freedom, Empower, things like that. We have big yeah. partnerships, so I can utilize that. If you're working for obviously another company, you're not going to be able to utilize that. But if that was my customer, that's how I would have done it. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for, uh, you know, hopping on the spot like that. That is appreciated. So um, shifting gears a little bit, this is, is this going to be your first DDD con? This will be my first site. So Leif didn't tell me last year. I would have, I won it last year as well, but I didn't know I had to fill something out. He never told me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I just never filled it out, but uh, this will be my first. Okay. First, first official uh, Golden Door Award. What are yeah. you most looking forward to with DDDCon? Man, I'm pumped. I So I'm a, I don't know, like <clears throat> how to kind of explain this, but I'm a pretty humble dude i'm not very outward with with things and maybe that sounds cocky in itself that i'm calling myself humble but i'm definitely not a very outward guy but what i've learned these last couple of years to build in this industry you one have to have a really good story and two people want to know that who they're following is also throwing down right yeah it's the it's the concept of like don't ever ask something to don't ever ask someone to do something that you're not willing to do and so no one's going to follow somebody that like if I went out and told someone, hey, go sling 200 solar deals, but I've never sold 20 in my career. Why would they why would they follow me? Right. And so what I'm excited for is one, I love now recognizing what I've accomplished and being proud of it and then being able to blast it out, build my story, build my resume to continue to build the industry and then change other people's lives. It's to the point now that I, I know how to sell. I know how to knock doors. I've done it for a long time. What I truly get enjoyment out of is bringing people in that are diehard followers and then changing their lives right? and, and getting them on a path to where they can do similar things that I've done or more. And so that I think is huge. And then two, I, I'm extremely excited to meet other people in the industry that are absolutely throwing down, to be in a room of like-minded people um, I, I think people undervalue um, circles, right? Bringing people into your circle that bring immense value is it's priceless, right? The amount of knowledge you can learn from a five minute conversation a lot of times about it could maybe not even about sales um, is something that people pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to be in a room with. And a lot of times like, they don't take advantage of those little conversations that you can have and, and gain so much knowledge of. Absolutely. And it's going to be awesome guys. 
Uh, we're going to have Chase on the, the solar panel this year too. So um, as you know, you can tell from the podcast, he's a, he's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's a fountain of abundance. Uh, he's more than willing to chat, more than willing to help out in any way, shape or form that he can. Very clear about that. And he will have the mustache at DDD Con. Uh, that has been that has been a requirement. Uh, so, uh, dude, uh, we thank you again for coming on the podcast, uh, and we're excited to have you at DDDCon this year, man. Man, I'm freaking pumped. Thank you for having me. This has been fun, man, and I'm excited. I I don't think we ever crossed paths in person, so I'm excited to meet you guys and and hang out. Likewise, man. So, guys, this has been a great episode of the Golden Door Deep Dive segment. Keep tuning in for all these tips and tricks on how to be a Golden Door winner yourself. So we'll. We'll see you later. Let's go. We'll see you guys. Thank you.